good day, and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. While public health officials have been recommending that adults receive the COVID-19 vaccine for months now, there's another group that's recently been approved. It's children ages 12 and up. Although fewer kids have been infected with COVID-19 compared to adults, they can still get sick from COVID-19. And of course, they can spread the virus. And that's why the CDC has recently expanded their vaccine recommendations to include everyone 12 years and older to help protect against another surge. Here to talk with me about this development and what it means for young people here in Michigan is someone who has been following this issue really closely. Veronica McNally is an assistant dean for experiential education at Michigan State University College of Law. She's also the only member of the CDC's Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, who's from Michigan, and she's been following the developments around kids and the vaccine for some time. Uh, Veronica, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back. Yeah. So uh, as of last week, as I said, children 12 and up are able to get the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine, and that's been months in the making. Uh, Tell us a bit about the research and background that led up to this announcement. Sure. So as of last week, the Pfizer vaccine had been administered to more than 138, um, well, 138 million doses had been administered. And there was an adolescent clinical trial for the Pfizer vaccine, and it demonstrated 100% efficacy against symptomatic laboratory-confirmed COVID-19. So that's a real positive development. The FDA authorized it for use. The ACIP recommended it for children aged 12 to 15. And as of today, several thousand um, children have received the vaccine. Hmm. Uh, is this the same Pfizer vaccine that they are giving to us as adults? Or when you're dealing with children, do you have to develop something altogether different? No, this is the same exact vaccine that the adults had been receiving age 16 and older. So the 12 to 15 dosing is the same, and it's um, it's two doses given 21 days apart. And talk about the ways in which you have to kind of focus on the differences between children and adults when you're developing these kinds of things. What 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 kinds of distinctions... I guess, have to be made in, in the trials and, and in the research? Well, in, in this trial, they were looking to see what type of side effects would occur in this age group. And what they determined is that um, you know, the side effects really are no different in terms of adults and children. So pain at the injection site was common during the first dose. And symptoms like fatigue and headache and chills were more common after the second dose. And these symptoms resolved after one to two days. And that's significant because it tells us that the vaccine is working, that your immune system is getting the boost it needs to fight against COVID-19, which can be really serious in this age group. So also give me a sense of um, the urgency here to, to try to get children 12 and up to be able to take the vaccine. The effects on them have been really different than they were on adults. 
and uh, of course their 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 children and so the question of risk uh, because this is a conditionally approved or an emergency approved vaccine in general I, it seems like the the calculus might be a little different in terms of whether it's worth the risk for children to take something like this uh, you know versus adults can you can you talk us through that a bit yeah sure so one of the things that we know about covid-19 infection is that it can cause a very serious condition called MISC, which is an inflammatory syndrome associated with COVID-19. So just to kind of put this in context, as of May 3rd, 3,742 MISC cases were reported to national surveillance. And I, I think this is concerning because the thing about MISC is it appears two to four weeks after the onset of COVID-19, and, and you might not have even known that your child had COVID-19, and it can have really severe complications. So those complications can include cardiac dysfunction, shock, myocarditis, uh, aneurysm, and acute kidney injury. And, and shockingly, a, a, a lot of these kids end up in the intensive care unit. So when we talk about, you know, if there's a risk, there is a risk, mm -hmm. and there are, you know, the CDC reported last week that if you adjust for underreporting, the incidence is 22.2 million infections in kids in kids aged five to 17. So it, it there it's not to say that COVID 19 isn't or isn't ever severe in this age group. It can be, and adolescents also contribute to transmission. Um. So how has the rollout been going so far? Is it available at all the same places that Pfizer is offering this vaccine to adults? So I, I think that the rollout has been going pretty well. You know, in Oakland County here, I see that there is um, there's mobile units, there's school-based clinics. So it, it looks like it's going quite well. And obviously, we're going we're gonna to see how things develop. But what's interesting about this is that we're starting to see this become available in pediatric offices, which really is significant because of the fact that with the stay-at-home orders that occurred last year in states across the country, pediatric immunization rates dropped significantly for vaccination. And in Michigan, we have a number of counties with really low rates. So what this does is it tells us that our kids need to get into their pediatric uh, providers and they need to get caught up in immunizations, and they can do that when they get their COVID-19 vaccine. Hmm. I'm talking with Veronica McNally. She's Assistant Dean for Experiential Education at Michigan State University's College of Law. She's also the only member of the CDC's Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices from Michigan, and she has been following pretty closely the developments around kids and the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, we recently heard, uh, announced that children 12 and up are now eligible to get uh, the Pfizer vaccine, only the Pfizer vaccine. Uh, but that does open up a whole other dimension of the conversation about uh, kids and vaccines and COVID-19 uh, and, and herd immunity, which is that, that goal that we are so desperately trying to reach. Uh, we'd love to hear from you uh, during the segment as well. Give us a call and let us know if you have kids within this new age range who can now receive the COVID-19 vaccine. Are they getting it? Uh, or are you somebody who's maybe a little hesitant about vaccinating your children, even if you got the COVID-19 uh, vaccine? Also, give us a call and let us know if you're a teacher or someone who works 
with young people. How are you feeling about this announcement from the CDC regarding kids 12 and up being eligible to receive the vaccine? Does that make you more comfortable about the idea of in-person school? Something that uh, I think we are certainly going to see a lot more of this fall. Uh, Obviously, the vaccine uh, being available to children changes that picture as well. Uh, As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to Try to work you into the conversation that way. Uh, Veronica, I want to ask about um, uh, younger kids, uh, younger than 12, who are now the, the, the only category of, uh, of people who are not eligible for the vaccine. You, you know, when the CDC announced last week that, that people who are vaccinated probably don't have to wear masks as much as, as we have been, I, I, I thought almost instantly about little kids and and the exposure that they might have to uh, to the virus if we if we stop masking and and things like that so so talk just a little about where they fit into this picture and and whether at some point they will also become eligible for the vaccine i I sure hope they will clinical trials are ongoing right now, and I think as we get further into summer we'll we'll have some additional information about the results of those clinical trials and in the meantime, as you noted, it is important to still be concerned about their risk of exposure to covid nineteen and continue to mask them and uh, and take all the appropriate measures that you've been taking all, all along as a parent and if if we do get to the point where they are where they are eligible, talk about how important that might be. So, so then you'd have no restrictions, at least age restrictions, on on vaccine eligibility. Does that make it more likely? I guess that we get to to this herd immunity concept. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that parents, as long as the vaccine is shown to be safe and effective in, in this next age group that we need to vaccinate, I think that parents are going to be really comforted by the fact that they have this added layer of protection and that their kids can return to what we all miss as our normal pre-pandemic activity. Mm-hmm. Also, before we get to listeners, and we've got uh, several queued up who want to who want to ask questions here, I want to ask about the disparities that we've seen with vaccination rates among adults and and whether there's concern at the CDC about that playing out similarly with with children. Uh, you know, in urban areas like Detroit, we are far below the state average and, and you know, even further below the national average uh, because of things like vaccine hesitancy. Uh, I also think that there are some access issues that, that are playing out. Um, what's the thinking about that as it relates to to kids 12 and up? Well, survey data showed that 60%, a majority of parents, um, plan to vaccinate their children against COVID-19. So, you know, I I do think that parents are very uh, interested in getting their kids vaccinated. And provided that we make this vaccine as accessible as possible, I think we're going to see positive rates. Okay, again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Let's get to listeners. Adrian in Detroit, you're up first. 
Well, good morning. Hi. And if I may start off, number one for me, I trust the science behind the vaccine. I have received both of the Pfizer vaccines. I have worked in a vaccine clinic administering the vaccine. And I believe, and I also work in the school, and I believe that with a student, because they love to invade each other's personal space, they have immature lungs, they share almost everything, that they should be immunized and that it's up to the parent. But if you want to give your child a chance to be safe, immunize your child. Because I have been immunized and adults have. So if we are still surviving, please give your child a chance to survive by immunizing the way we do everyone, well, most everyone that have some pre-existing respiratory illness with the flu every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adrian, uh, really appreciate the call and the thoughts. Veronica, I wonder if you have a reaction to what she's saying. Yeah, I really just want to thank you for, for volunteering and, and being there to answer any questions that parents have. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's really key because, you know, I, I do think that there's a lot of people who have a lot of questions about these vaccines. And the more conversations I have with people, I feel like I discover more people who have questions and, and will say, hey, you know, I am not uh, I'm not vaccinated yet or I'm not thinking about vaccinating my kids because I'm not certain about this, and obviously someone like Adrian is is key to, to filling that gap. I worry that there aren't enough people in enough places uh, of trust to be able to to, to do that. But uh, Adrian, uh, thanks again for your work and, and for calling and sharing that story. Let's go to Jacob in Clinton Township. Jacob, welcome to the program. Thank you. Hey. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say, I just... I just, I mean, I think it's just because I worked the entire, uh, you know, COVID. I just don't care. I don't, I, I didn't get it. Um, I did get sick. I just, I don't care. I don't want to get it, you know, and if my job makes me get it, I'll just go to a new job. I don't think if there's enough research done on it. Um, my sister and my nephew don't plan on getting it. I mean, I know it's a serious, a serious subject and all that, but. So, uh, so Jacob, first of all, I, I, I really do appreciate you listening to the program and calling. And I mean, I think it's it's somewhat uh, somewhat brave to, to, to call and say what you're saying. I, I do have a couple of questions. What would convince you to take it? What would convince you to get the vaccination, Jacob? Um, I honestly would. Geez, I have no idea. Um. If I was married and I had a wife, I, I just, you know, I, I, I don't think there's anything that could make me want to take it. Hmm. Uh, my, my uncle almost lost his life getting the flu shot, and the flu shot has been around for like 30 years. Um, it's scary. It's more scary to me to get the shot than it was to go through this whole entire ordeal of working. I think uh, working through the whole entire COVID-19 was like, pretty hard mm-hmm. you know um and i'm more worried about um that's pretty much what i was worried about making it through and you know uh, and i work in uh, uh like a food warehouse too so i've seen a lot of people get it yeah. um one person died from it i know it's a real thing but i don't think there's enough 
done uh, research done for me to you know risk yeah. you know getting it well um, uh, so jacob uh, look again i appreciate your candor here obviously i really deeply disagree with with the decision that you're making and i think the you know the last thing i'd say to you is that it's not just about you and whether you're sick but your ability to transmit the disease is really important as well. I mean, we the, the reason that we've had such a hard time uh, with the disease is because it spreads so easily. And there are lots of people who, it sounds like you're not particularly vulnerable to it, and, and that's great, but there are a lot of people who are. And, and by not getting vaccinated, you continue to put them at, I think, unnecessary risk. And I think that's something you, you, you might want to think about as as well. But but again, I, I, I certainly appreciate you your calling and, and sharing uh, your, your perspective on this. And I'd say, look, I hope you change your mind and go get the shot. Uh, Veronica McNally, this is, this is what I was just talking about. The more people I talk to, the more I hear about these kinds of reservations. And, and they sound like they're pretty widespread. It's not it's not a rare experience for me to to have this conversation with someone like Jacob who says, look, I just, I don't feel comfortable with this. Well, I think you point out two really good things. And the first is that people have different risk perception. And the second is that community immunity is really important. And, and I would tell people who are on the fence right now to make sure that they ask questions, to make sure that they get answers to their their questions based on credible scientific information. I would refer them to ivaccinate.org. And I would also tell them that the data continue to show that this vaccine is safe and effective. And so when we look at safety, there's a number of different systems working at the same time to assist in this evaluation process. So there's there's vSafe, which is a smartphone-based active monitoring system that the CDC and FDA evaluate. There's VAERS. There's the Vaccine Safety Data Link that has nine participating healthcare organizations and data from over 12 million persons per year. And there's the Clinical Immunization Safety Assessment Project. So there, there is a lot happening every day to continually evaluate the, the benefits and the risks of vaccination. At the CDC, is there worry that there are enough people out there like Jacob that we won't reach herd immunity? And in the next segment on the show, we're going to talk some about herd immunity and some of the misconceptions that people have about it. But, but I mean, it is it is the goal. Uh, is there a concern that we might not, as a nation, get there because we can't convince enough people to do it? I think there's concern about whether we can beat the race against the variants. So these variants are popping up pretty consistently. They are of concern, obviously, and we want to make sure that we're getting people vaccinated as quickly as possible so that the the variants are are not a concern anymore, so that the variants don't pose a risk to us. And the other thing, I guess, that's in the back of my mind is the questions are, are the questions about how long this will last. Right? Uh, I, I feel like there's going. It's likely that there will be something that forces us to have to take another shot, maybe a booster, maybe by by fall. 
which would put us right back in the same position of having to get everybody to go to go do it. It seems like the, the, the danger is that we won't even be through getting enough people to take the, the shot at all before we have to say, you've got to go back and take another one, I, which, I, again, the, the, you know, the, the, the public uh, the public coaxing, I guess, that, that this has taken is, is really worrisome to me. Yeah, I just would say that I think that that's, I think we're used to getting vaccinated in the fall. And, and I think that I'm, I'm really optimistic that we can do this. We, we get our flu vaccine in the fall. We know that the mm-hmm. flu vaccine prevents against serious illness and complication from the flu. And, and this really is not all that different at this point in time. Mm. Okay. Uh, Veronica McNally, uh, Assistant Dean for Experiential Education at Michigan State University College of Law. It was really great to have you here to help us uh, understand more about this. Thanks so much for joining the program. Thanks. Take care, Steve. We're going to take a break and when we come back, we're going to hear from a social epidemiologist who says we have been thinking about this concept of herd immunity all wrong. Stay with us for more Detroit Today.